We are always flirting between love and disaster. And that seems just about right. It's the Queer Centric, and here's Johnny. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another amazing week. It's very, very cold uh, here in the Northwest. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the Queer Centric. It must be a Tuesday, and we are very happy to have you. Of course, you know me. I'm your host, Johnny. And I have a very special guest who I wanted to just have be the only other person. Uh, you'll recognize Abby Crawford as she has been in the studio before. But this time, it's just Spotlight at Abby. And I wrote this little, I mean, you're always impressive to me. Um, I've looked up at you forever, but actor, director, cabaret star, model, creative powerhouse, and one kick-ass lady. Let's welcome Abby Crawford back to the Queer Centric. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I love it. You're a busy lady. I am. Yes. Less busy now than I have been in the past. Right. And I we're going to talk about that mm. very fascinating thing. But our, our uh, kind of coordinating our schedules has not been easy. <laughs> no. I think we've been trying since spring to re-make <laughs> it happen. So I love that it finally happened. I'm like, that's why today I was at work and someone was uh, saying they had a sore throat. And I'm like, you're not getting near me. No. Because I'm showing up. So we're going to do this. And of course, you've just had a, your own bout of sickness. And so I'm glad Ridiculous. you're alive. I actually, I, it was much less worse than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be awful, awful. Yeah. But I had influenza A last year. Right. So you were like. It lasted for six weeks, dude. Awful. Six weeks. Yeah. This one, 48 hours of hell. And then I had three days by myself Beautiful. in my home. Right. I think uh, it was like training for a fight when you had influenza A last year. Yes. And then you were ready to kick kick COVID's ass, which it, it is brutal. It, so it can, yes, it came up out of nowhere. I mean, yeah. right out of the gate, I had a temp of 101.5 and I thought, oh, oh my gosh, I'm 50. I think that's a bad idea. <laughs> right. This shouldn't, this shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> well, uh, we were talking about Novids, uh, Novids people yes. who haven't. And because this is not going anywhere at all, eventually it's just inevitable, I think. And so, so far it hasn't happened and I know it's coming for me. And so I've like, like, peeking around the corner. Like, <laughs> I, it is. And I feel like my mom had it and she was saying how she had the version where she started losing her hair, which oh, she so no. hated. And I thought, well, I can't afford to lose my hair. There's, no <laughs> there's nothing left. So, you know, we're trying really, it's, really it's hard. It's definitely a thing. Yeah. It is definitely yeah. a well, thing. And, so, and they finally released the first studies on long COVID. And so, you know, we haven't known anything because we've never had this. So they had to do, you know, a long right. time study. So I'm like, okay, I got you. Yeah. So far, yeah. I don't have any long COVID issues. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I just finally got my smell and my taste right. back See. and I'm starting to sound more like myself, which right. I super appreciate because I hate it when your sinus cavity is just and like, I just could stays. breathe through my nose, but it was, I was still so stuffy. It yeah. was super annoying. Everything's right in that face mask. Yeah. 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 No, thank mm -hmm. you. Oh, well I'm thrilled that you're feeling better and Me that too. you're back. <laughs> right. And you're back here. I wanted to start, you know, I always like to tell y'all about things you can do in Spokane because my biggest pet peeve is people who say there's nothing to do here oh my gosh there's so yeah. much right and i'm like that's only because you, you didn't look <laughs> right you know and it's okay if you want to go outside of spokane but let's not pretend so i want to tell you about uh some things of course down at our lovely people bestofbroadway.com always check that site i want to say that they added a day to dr seuss how the grinch stole christmas because it's one of their best shows every year always sells out so there are still tickets November 10th and 11th, and they've added another show. So there's three shows on the 11th now, which as a performer, I think 
I'm exhausted just hearing that you're doing three shows in one day. But Absolutely. hey, way to go, guys. Uh, love that for you and anybody who's making money off this. But uh, go check out tickets, www.broadwayspokane.com. And something else uh, that's also coming November 14th through the 19th at uh, Best of Broadway is Les Mis is in town. Which always just surprises me. It sells yeah. out every single yeah. time. It's a great show, don't get me yeah. wrong. But I keep thinking, everybody's seen it now, right? Exactly. But there's this whole generation of youngins coming up who yes. have heard their parents sing it for forever. And I always tell people, if you have not seen the stage show, go yeah. see it because yeah. the movie... I, was yeah. abysmal. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody who has seen the stage show knows this, Lord, right? I'm such a it purist was when awful. it comes to that. It hurt. It yes. hurt how I, I went to the theater excited because my very first Broadway show I ever saw was in Seattle at the Paramount. Les Mis, my vocal teacher, took me. Mm. I was a very shy preacher's kid then. Uh, <laughs> took me to this in the middle of Seattle. I was terrified. And uh, first I learned two things. That show was breathtaking to me because I had never seen. And you, like, just thinking about it gives me the chills. You don't get that same no. experience when the movie was out. And then she also taught me something that I have taught many an intern, many a child through the years. We were walking back to the car afterwards. Of course, pitch black. It's dark. It's, like, close to midnight in Seattle. And, she, and I'm a nervous little timid kid. And my voice <laughs> teacher looks at me and she goes... I'm going to teach you a secret. Just act crazier than everyone around you and you'll be just fine. And she had no problem with that. And so I told, I told uh, one of our interns uh, here, Daniel, and like later that same night we were leaving here, he lived in an apartment downtown and he was surrounded by a bunch of younger guys who were trying to, and he did exactly what I did. And he goes, and they didn't know what to do. And they just stopped and went away. Good. Mike, you know, that might not always work, but it worked. It's a good lesson. Right. Did you know that I had been in Les Mis? (gasps) I was, see, I was going to ask you, who did you play? Um, Well, this was a Coeur d'Alene Summer Theater. Yeah. It was the regional, uh, like the first time it had ever been done regionally. Nice. And I was, Whore number one, <laughs> which is I love on that. my resume. I yes, proudly. She's the one who says, "Come on, dearie, why all the fuss? You're no grander than the rest oh. of us, right?" But I was also like uh, um, the preacher's or the priest's wife or something like that, right? And, or no, the innkeeper's wife. I was. Uh, oh, there was so. Many I would pieces. pay to see you sing the song "Master of the House." Oh lord, because it's so. You know, it's a great song. It's a lot of fun, yes. and you can. Uh, whoever's doing it, you can just yeah, we'll see. own that Maybe role. Madame Tenardier someday. I mean, Maybe. I saw you years ago in um, uh, Jesus, Jesus Christ Superstar. I remember that role very much. The Mary Magdalene? Um, yes. Ah, uh, yeah, she's brilliant. good too. Thank you. Yeah. What a great show that was yeah. too. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if you're from Spokane, I'm sure a lot of people have memories of they've seen you in something, right? Um, so we're going to talk a little about that because today is all about my favorite subject, especially as I had a birthday and which is how we, how creativity looks to How us. old were you on this birthday? 48. Aw, happy yeah, birthday. thank you. And it was, uh, I, my, my commitment to myself was I'm not hiding from this birthday. I'm not going to do it. But it does mean I need to realize things have changed, but what does it mean? It doesn't have to be bad. 
right? No. Yeah. No, so it and gets so much better the older you get. That is exactly. And it should. And we should embrace those moments and Absolutely. those numbers. Absolutely. Because um, for years, I think it's funny now. I'm like, oh, I'm 48 and I'm, I'm you know, having a great grand old time. Uh, but for years prior to 48, I would hide every year. I didn't want anything to do with it. And I thought, wow, right. how, I was younger. I was... Well, if you consider that we've been taught that getting older is when we're supposed to disappear. Getting yes. older is the whole, I mean, if you look at what the Golden Girls were, they were 50. They were, they were the in same 50s. age as the Sex and the City ladies. I'm like, wow, that looks so different. I'm 50. Right? I may have the same like, kind of attitude, but damn, yes. I do not wear the same clothes. Thank you. And thank God for the Golden Girls who were like, I mean. They were pretty a, sassy, but there, but yeah. what I want what I want to pinpoint on that yeah. is that that they were considered old. Exactly. Yeah. Women, women especially, yep. have to deal with this whole. Well, you're getting older. Right. You know, I remember my grandmother telling pasture. me once I was fifty, I had to cut off all my hair. I had to wear short hair, I, which I, is, was I, a thing forever. That. Excuse me. Exactly. That makes zero sense at all. I mean, Thank as you. a as a hairstylist, number one, yeah. and number two, as somebody who really loves their hair, I love my hair. Right? It's finally where I want it to be. Do you right. know? And these are things that, as I get older, I'm like, oh, it's more it's more of a reclamation project. Like my, right. who I am, how I dress, who I be. Anything right. that I do now is more re- reclamation because I've been taught for years to be ashamed that I'm getting older, to exactly. be ashamed that I'm not tiny and skinny or to be ashamed right. you know, about so many different things. And I refuse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually think that this is why uh, I would say a lot of gay men, but 98.8% of gay men have this affinity for women, especially strong women. Because in the gay community, I died at 32. You know what I mean? Because it's that same like, oh, or overweight, over, you know, but there is a community and a sassiness there. But if you were to just to live in whatever main culture it is, and that's, that's part of the reason I think, I mean, I think that is why I'm always drawn to strong women, uh, women of power and creativity. I think it's that same thing. But do you, you were talking about short hair for women. So I remember looking back and going, oh, I, my grandmothers uh, had the short hair. And yes. it was the older hair. Yes. And I was like, and now, of course, like you were just saying, it's a whole different vibe. There are grandmothers that I'm like, listen, she's got it going on. We have grandmas come in all the time See, that's to amazing. color their hair purple and pink yes, and blue. Please. Instead of, yeah. you know, so many years were women would have that blue cast to their hair or that yeah. purple cast to their well, hair and people would make fun of them. Well, in theater, you know, mm. we had, they had a name and because they tended the to be hairs. the ones that, <laughs> yes, they tend to be the ones that paid the money to go see the theater. Yeah. So you always knew when your blue haired crowd was, yeah. I love that it's not accurate anymore. No, it absolutely is not. And, and I think that as we grow older and we learn to love who we are. Yeah. I mean, this was my 50th year. Yeah. I had the biggest birthday party. See, that's and amazing. And I grabbed it and claimed it. And yeah. there's not a single thing in this world that will make me turn back. Right. Because who I was when I was 13 and 14, as opposed to who I am now, I super love the person I am now. Right. Where I was still trying to figure out who was telling me the truth yeah. when I was 13 or 14, or even when I was 17 or in my early 20s. Good yeah. Lord, I had no idea. Oh my God, no. No, I, I was just raising you hell because I thought me. that that's what was... I was raising hell and looking for a man because that's what I was supposed... Right. I was taught that I was a vessel for a man. Like exactly. I needed to marry and I needed... 
Yeah. yeah. Right? It's like they hand you this map and you're like, Ugh. and so for people who didn't feel like they fit that map, it was, life is odd. You know what I mean? But you bring up a, a good point. First thing on my uh, list is to talk about what it was like pre-Spokane. You had a church background mm -hmm. and then coming here and kind of beginning to find that you, that you had a different way of, of celebrating who you were. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Pella, Iowa. Mm -hmm. It's a small town uh, about an hour southeast of Des Moines. So oh, wow. in the middle of cornfields. I was going to say. My grandfather, my great-grandfather was a, a farmer. He had a big farm. And all of our family lived around that farm. We yeah. lived four miles out in the country. I was bullied all the time. We, you know, we were poor. It was yeah. that kind of thing. But everything stopped on Sunday. Yeah. All, everything closed on Sunday. The only thing open on Sunday were the churches. Oh, yeah. And that's it. Now, when I was 13, I was baptized. I was American Baptist. So yeah. I was baptized oh, oh. and a couple of reasons that I was excited about it. Yeah. Number one, because they sing the song, she has decided to follow Jesus. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, that's for me. <laughs> yeah. Right. The water was cold. Oh, fair. And that frightened me. And then, you know, the preacher grabs you and he plugs your nose and he dunks you. Yep. But the minute that I came back up, that meant now that I'm baptized, I get to sing in the church choir. Oh, wow. So that for me, that's the reason that I chose to be baptized. Not yeah. because I believed in Jesus. Yeah. Not because I believed in a heaven and hell, but right. because I wanted to sing in the choir. That's amazing. And everybody always said, oh, you have a God-given talent. You have a God-given talent. I'm like, well, I have a talent that was given exactly for my body, but yeah. I'm not sure that it was a God. Right. But, there, you know, a lot of us have religious trauma. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. and... Getting yourself clear of that is always a surprising thing. I didn't leave the church until I was um, 18. Yeah. And I had gone to a church camp and had a fight, basically, with some guy who had come to give us a lecture. Yeah. Who said, Christians are the chosen people. We are the only chosen one. We are the only right. ones who are going to heaven. And I raised my hand. I said, that's not what it says in the Bible. Yeah. It doesn't say that, number one. Number two, we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself right? how can you say yeah. that somebody else's religion is wrong if they believe it's right it's it's not your you. you don't get to judge judge yeah. judging belongs to god right that's what it says in the bible and yeah. he took a minute and he looked at me and you could tell he was just like like wheels turning yeah and out of his mouth came so you believe in what hitler did oh i was like what what are you kidding me right now he's like wow. so you believe in evil i mean like he just kept coming at me, and then other people, other young people started yeah. coming at me, and it took me a minute, and I looked at him, and I said, you don't have an answer. Yeah, exactly. You don't have an answer. I was dating a Unitarian at the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, they, yeah, that's a whole other question, world. Yeah, they yeah. question everything. Yes. So I went home from that because for the rest of the week, I was being bullied. I was being yeah. harassed by christians yes exactly. which it was my first like real dose of oh my god this is not it yeah and so uh i went home i told my mom i'm not going to church anymore do you know and how did she take it she <laughs> she was confused i think she she thought that i would come back around to it yeah um my my sister ended up marrying a pastor and that's when i started seeing yes there are good christians right yeah. And there are not good yeah. Christians. Oh, yeah. you know, and Sadly, I was, they're the loud right, ones. But I was pretty you know. much a vigilante for a long time against yeah. any kind of religion. Yeah. Um, but when I started to discover my people yeah. within the theater world, right. and I was 
a waitress forever. I was a bartender forever. And yeah. these people I really started to connect with. Yeah. And so for the first time, like trying to figure out who I was, right. I could remove the religion. Yeah. I didn't realize that I would have to complete all of the trauma that I had from that. Right. And that's what I've been working on the last couple yeah. of years. Well, and it stays, it gets into the actual fibers of who you are. It does. But I think, uh, what I think of theater people, we are, we tend to feel when we start, like we're other mm -hmm. and then like you said when you find other people that feel other you bind together absolutely yeah. i was introduced to the queer community yeah and i felt like i had found what i would consider heaven right because they love you for who you are right not for what you can yeah. well <laughs> most of them love you for who you are <laughs> yeah yeah not what you can get for them or do for right. them <laughs> right you know? yeah. and and as a young 20 something it was fast. I never saw a drag queen until I was 21. Isn't it crazy? At the They're old herbs over on Monroe. Oh, yes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. are you kidding? Or not herbs. Uh, uh, Dempsey's. No, 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 no. Um, Even before. Uh, uh, pumps. Pumps, yes. Oh, there we go. I'm like, I know them all back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. Do you know, so, so that for me was like these creatives right? that I was meeting yeah. within the queer community, within the theater community. Yeah. It was fascinating for my young 20 self. Exactly. And I think that's, I always, uh, I live by this philosophy that anything that offers you an absolute, I need to question it. Ah, because yes. absolute is where we get, first of all, there's no room for grace. There's no room for mercy and there's no room for most of us, you know, in that. And so I find it because my dad was a Southern Baptist minister. Oh, Lord. Yeah. And so I get it. And I was 13 when I was baptized. There was this big because so I go down, my foot goes up and they're like, ah, we might need to redo it. <laughs> I was like, no. Uh, but then I we missed his foot. Exactly. Everything's fucked. Go back. Ex yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm sure I have family members who are like, that's why. <laughs> we oh, missed the no. foot that toe became gay and then everything just took over his whole body exactly but what i love is so i discovered um music first and then i stumbled very shyly into theater and then that's and i remember thinking i was so confused because i a drag queen seemed so such an art form that I was like, how do you create? And most of the ones I knew was were creating this beauty out of such pain. Yes. And I was like, how can, I don't understand why this is wrong. It's so beautiful. And so as we get, as we uh, begin to grow into ourselves, we find ways to express ourselves in creativity. Absolutely. And then what I found fascinating, I was reading an article and you were talking about, because you then you found cabaret mm -hmm. and all of those things. And you said one of the things you were wanting to learn back in the day was um, building a show. Oh. Which when I know you, I just go, well, she can build any fucking show she wants. <laughs> I mean, she knows... But what was that like? It almost seems like a an uh, evolution, really. You find these beautiful things you love to do, and then you want to create on top of those things. Mm -hmm. So, can you talk to me about that moment in time? Yeah, I um, the first cabaret singer I ever saw. Her name was Samantha Samuels, and Monty Danner, who owned Dempsey's, had yeah. brought her in from San Francisco, and this woman came out on stage. And this was at the Davenport before it was redone. It was completely gutted. And we wow. were doing a show in there. It was uh, for Spokane AIDS Network. Yeah. And um, I watched her. And she had that room in the palm of her hand. And I was like, that 
I want to do that. That's the yeah. thing I want to do because she was so authentic. Right. And w- so that was the first time I actually discovered it. So I was like, I started digging in. I wanted to know what cabaret was. Right. And here in Spokane at that time, cabaret was a movie with Liza Minnelli. In exactly. It. Most yeah. people didn't even know it was a stage show. Right. You know? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I remember watching that movie thinking, that's not the same thing. Okay. That's not <laughs> the same thing. So I started digging. I found a woman. Her name is Julie Wilson. Mm-hmm was Julie Wilson. She's passed since um, I got to work with her, but uh, I started learning about her life and she had started in theater and then became a cabaret singer. So I started looking at what American cabaret was. And American cabaret is storytelling through song. Yeah. So I had a million songs that I loved all through my life. And so I decided that if I was actually going to do this, I needed to do, I needed to learn more about it. So I did the cabaret conference, which... Uh, the cabaret conference at Yale University was one of these things that I was one of three, five people chosen internationally to go. Wow. And I sent in a videotape because anywhere that they were auditioning was nowhere near me. Right. So I sent in a video of my performances, why I wanted to do it, even though I was still a pretty young mother at that time. Isaac was, oh, Lord nine months old I think oh my god when I actually went to the conference and so all of this was done with the idea that I was going to go see if it was something that I really did enjoy and my first day you sit down with you know I sat down with 34 other people plus all of our faculty and you get up and perform in front of all these people and then they tell you everything they liked and everything they didn't like right and it was terrifying yeah oh for sure but also the most exhilarating thing i'd ever done right because they tear everything away so that you can be your authentic self on stage because if you cannot talk to an audience right speak with an audience sing with an audience and bring them with you on the journey there's no point in doing what you're doing so that was the big turning point for me i was 31 at the time and i Came home and I was like, oh, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to do everything. Right. Yep. But trying to sell cabaret in Spokane was super difficult. Yeah. Nobody knew. Everybody thought I was a stripper. And I was like, no, that's, <laughs> that's burlesque. Yeah, that's different. And German cabaret. I mean, they do that in German. But right. I'm not going to strip while I sing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's not my thing. <laughs> and um, so I started digging in a little deeper because I wanted to, like, what are the things that I super love? Right. My, my first big show was about food. <laughs> Oh, I love that. <laughs> Everybody loves food. I come out on stage. I'm like, hi, my name is Abby Crawford. I'm just curious, how many of you like food? Do you know? And immediately everybody's with you. <laughs> exactly. Like in that moment. And so then you find the through line. Yeah. And it had to do with how food comforts, how yeah. it's exhilarating, how it takes you to places that most things don't. Do you yeah. know? And And within that kind of storytelling I have to be able to connect with people at every moment yeah if they cannot connect with me with my stories right then I'm not doing my job so I have to be a storyteller a comedian yes you know a a singer I have to be able to interpret as a storyteller also if you want it to be this uh this thing that people are like, they take those stories home with them. They take that experience. I, you were, as you were talking, I was thinking it's a lot like comedy mm-hmm. is if people can't relate to what you're saying, that comedy's going to lie flat because it doesn't matter. Absolutely. But all art in my opinion is 
this way for us to connect with each other. It's just like, it's the difference between the person who's teaching the class at the college and the person taking the class. If you're up in front of people, you're taking them on a journey and you are the one they're watching. They want, I remember I took, um, in Estes Park, Colorado, there was this huge conference. And one of the things, what I hated about that, I would have loved where you went because they were very clinical. And I remember one of the things that I, it's a lesson and I still take it, but I, it needs a little nuance. Um, and as you get older, you learn a little bit of nuance, but I remember them telling me, uh, you have to change the pressure in your performance. It can't be the same pressure the whole time. It can't be the same note. You have to change it, which reminds me again of comedy. You have to change the way that is. So it's almost like we're learning a language as creatives Mm -hmm. on how to, you know, connect to those people that are in front of you in that moment. Life, there's nothing like life. And to do it authentically. Yes. To be exactly, use, they always say, use what you know. Yeah. You will reach more people by doing, doing things that way. I have to say, so one of the things that I am fascinated with as I'm 48 now and as I'm growing is, and see, you don't strike me as this at all, so I can't wait to talk and find out. (laughs) But um, as we get older, things change from when we're 20s, right? I I had a lot more unearned confidence, but it it allowed me to do things fearlessly. It allowed me to think I could stand on that stage and I could have a billboard and say, I'm doing this show. And people would say, what makes you think you can do it? Well, I don't know that I can. Delusion. Exactly. And so you do it. (laughs) And as we get older, uh, we are layered by life. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes we let the insecurities come in. We let those. And then you find yourself almost, I call it phase two of life. You find yourself going, oh my God, I miss this. And I didn't even realize it's not there. Did you have any, have you always been this, this confident, bombastic (laughs) creator or did you have to deal with anything like that? Oh gosh. I deal with it every day. I have, uh, much like many people and many creatives, I definitely have imposter syndrome. I've always had imposter syndrome. I know for a fact that I can stand on that stage and I can reach anybody. It doesn't matter if I'm singing karaoke Right. Or if I'm on stage as a soloist with the symphony, which I've yeah. done both, I yeah. can still connect to that audience. Right. No matter what. As far as the confidence, yeah. I carry the confidence because there's nothing else to do. That is it. I yeah. will I am a creative. I know exactly what I can do. And when I'm on stage, it's almost like you settle into your gut and you know immediately. Yeah that you're going to be able to do the things Mm -hmm. that you know how to do. I know that what I do and what I bring to a stage is different from anybody else. Right. Nobody else can do what I do. Exactly. Because I'm me exclusively. Yeah. You know, and, and I love, I used to walk into auditions super confident. Yeah. Do you know, and people would be like, oh, well, you've already been precast. And I'm like, listen, not ever. That's the, yeah. Not ever because I enjoy the yeah. competition. If you think you're better than me, yeah. bring it. Yeah. Do you exactly. know? And that's yeah. that's the confidence that I take with me yeah. into those things. Now, not always do I think I'm right for a part or I'm going right. to get it. I really want that part. Yeah. I did an audition for, um, oh, hell, what was the show? Oh, uh, uh, Hello, Dolly. Oh. When yes. Troy Nickerson was um, directing it, which, yeah. of course... And I had a client in my chair say, oh, well, yeah. congratulations. I heard you were cast as Dolly. And I was like, 
how have I been cast as Dolly right. when the audition hasn't, hasn't even happened? Hasn't even been there, yeah. And she's like, oh, well, somebody said you were pre-cast. I said, no, ma'am. Yeah. No, ma'am. Number one, I am a little too young to play the part. I'm still going to audition. Listen, Barbara. So <laughs> was Barbara. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> I said, but also, I prefer... I prefer the audition because right? I love that competition. I love to see what everybody else brings to the right? stage. Do you know? So I did not get cast as Dolly. Yeah. And I, I made a big post about it. I was like, oh, look. Oh, gosh. I didn't right? get cast as Dolly. I wasn't yeah. pre-cast. But somebody fantastic was. Right. And that is, that's the point of that. Yeah. But even now, like, I don't do, a, I don't do much performing at this point in my life. Right. And I am okay with this. Well, that seems like a choice that it you made. It wasn't, a, it you know what I mean? It definitely is because I was just, I'm, I'm done with a lot of the drama. Right. I'm done with a lot of the traveling and right. I just, I want some time to myself. Yeah. But I know that if I want to audition for something, I'm going to walk in right? clearly ready for it. Exactly. And don't you think someone, people who, who say things like, because uh, that's a thing that happens in our theater community a lot, mm-hmm. uh, all over, and it's not just Spokane. Um, when they say precast, I feel like it's also uh, their insecurity giving voice to their insecurity because Absolutely. if they can make it seem... You know, they know this person's a powerhouse. If they can make it seem like there's, it almost gives them something to hide behind. Absolutely it does. And I have been told time and time again, I'm so intimidating. I'm like, really? Am I intimidating or are you intimidated? Because here's the difference is that I do what I'm going to do without anybody giving me anything or telling me how to do it. I'm just going to do it because that's how I know myself to be. Right. If you have an issue with me being how I am, then there's something within you that you see in me. So fix it yourself. I think the only thing I was ever precast for, and it was like, it was set forth that I was precast was uh, Rizzo in Greece (gasps) when Mason, my sweet Mason was eight (laughs) or nine months old. Oh my God. You know, and Troy put it forth and said, Abby is playing Rizzo. Right. You know, and Mason just turned 24, by the way. So that's how long ago it was. Do you know, but that's... But also in theater that is in not a gigantic city, sometimes a director has to precast some things. It's It has nothing to do with ego or with all of these things. And the other thing I always tell people that I live by is that cliche, that comparison is a thief of joy. You said a minute ago something that, um, even though it's how I act, I love putting words to it, which is there's only one me. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't make me better, less, more. It just means this is what I can give you. And so I've, I always tell people I've had to spend my entire life proving who I am. So even if you look at me and you say you're 48 or whatever, I'm going to hit the stage and be me. Mm-hmm. And then I, what's the rule in performing? You know, uh, what is it? Nine out of 10 people are going to love you and you can do nothing about the remaining one person. So why give the show to the people who are there? And most people are. But it is this... It can be read, I've been called conceited, and all those wonderful things that that we get called when, no, this is how, why, would you want to steal this from you? Don't steal the shine, let's support each other, let's, Correct. you know, and I think that's what's fascinating. But you also mentioned that you've made a choice mm-hmm. uh, to take a step back, but you've also, if anybody who follows you on social media is, you are, are it seems like you're in this era to use that horrible term that all the gays use right now um <laughs> i like to call it a season yes you're in the season of of almost celebrating and nurturing yourself absolutely because here is the deal as you grow older 
you realize the only person who's in charge of your trauma from your childhood is you. Yeah, thank you, you are the only person who can handle it. There yeah. is nothing outside of you right. that can handle it. Yeah. Drinking, drugs, exactly. gambling, any yeah. kind of that that's never going to take care of your drama. Yeah. Trauma. <laughs> drama, trauma. <laughs> Same thing. I mean. But what what it has become for me is more accepting of who I actually am. Right. And reclaiming who I am because there's been times in my life where I have lived through my trauma and said, well, it's because of whatever happened to me in my right. childhood. And then I realized, no, it's not. It's because I haven't taken care of what happened to me in my childhood. I'm an adult. Yeah. It is my responsibility to take care of my own trauma. Yes. And so many people don't do that. So yeah. many people. So one of the big reasons why I step back from stuff, no matter what it is, whether it's performing, whether it's groups of friends, which, I mean, I have my same group of friends that I've right. had since I was 19. I love them because they're in the same season that I am. Right. And it's amazing to watch these things happen. Yeah. I actually have made more friends in the last two years because I'm seeing people for who they are right. and allowing them to be themselves yeah. instead of putting my expectations on them. A exactly. lot of people put their expectations on me and yes. and expect yeah. me to be a certain way. There's so many things about myself that I learn from other people. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, that's that's very interesting. Right. But for me, I'm not interested in dealing with people who are not willing to take care of their own trauma. Yes. And so they trauma dump or they have, yeah. you know, explosions yeah. or, or whatever it is. They need you. They're, I say we, we do nothing that does not serve us. Right. So they, if they need your interaction with that trauma mm -hmm. because they're getting something from it. Mm -hmm. But you said it, I've, I've said it a million times and it's that I could have had, you know, I had my own whatever in my childhood. But when I became an adult, it can, and I'm not saying don't be compassionate. Go, you know, people can fuck you over, but it doesn't do me any good mm -hmm. because now I became an adult and therefore I get to decide what I do with this. Absolutely. You know, and it's, I think a lot of the ugly in the world is because people don't go, oh, I need to, I need to deal with this. I need to work through it. I need to find my way. If you look at what has happened to our world and yeah. the men who are running it right now and how much trauma has not been handled in their world. Thank you. It is disgusting. Yeah. It is disgusting to me. Look at toxic masculinity. Oh it all God. comes from you just cannot deal with these deep-seated issues. No. And if you would, mm -hmm. I don't think you'd be as toxic as this is. But see, we've never been taught that. No, exactly. We've never been taught that. And so I have zero things to prove to anybody else. Yeah. Oh. Such a beautiful moment in life when you can finally It's own glorious. That. The yeah. only people that I will ever check in with, besides my friends, and, and what right. I mean check in with, like, make sure that I'm available for them in right. all ways, are my children. Yeah. My yes. children are the most important thing to me. Yeah. Well, and also my dogs because they're <gasps> super cute. Yes. But yes. if they my children adorable. need something, I will yeah. absolutely be there 100%. But right. otherwise, I, I don't even have to prove to them that I'm a good mom. Do you know, like, I've done yeah. what I can for them, and I yeah. still do what I can for them because I think that a parent needs to be involved. Right. Which also means standing back and letting them learn. Right. Right. But I have nothing to prove. Right. To anybody. I don't even have to prove things to myself. Yeah. I just started taking a burlesque class. Yay! It is 
mind bending. Oh my God. Because I cut off that side of me when yeah. I chose to put all my energy towards my children. Right. My children needed that. I stopped dating. I stopped seeing right. myself as a sensual human, you know, right. all of these things. So I was like, well, I want to do burlesque because I want to get back in touch with my body. I want to be right. in love with my body again. Exactly. And the woman who teaches these classes she's amazing it's a uh, bloom house academy her name is uh, uh brianna nicole she's nice. amazing she's yeah. a psychic medium also so she has oh, us doing wow. shadow work yeah in the class now i was a dancer i was like a trained dancer for 17 years and then i did theater you know yeah. And yeah. all that dude my first class i couldn't even balance i was like oh, wow. oh my god you know so yeah, i you had have to, to rediscover it was amazing That's but also so learning where it is in your gut, where you live, where your body lives, where, what do you think about desire? What do you think about sensuality? You know, Ugh. all those things, because to me, I'm not a sensual human. Right. I you am, just flip that but switch. I don't, yes. Yeah. And I'm finding that part of me again, which That's is super amazing. wild. But first class, I cried. Second class, I cried. Wow. Third class, I rage cried because I was pissed off about all the shame that I had been taught about yeah. my body. Mm -hmm. You know, fourth class, I did not cry. I was super good about that. <laughs> but fifth and sixth, I was sick with COVID, you know, but, but I signed up for the next round because yeah. obviously it's doing something. And she has this new, um, it's a new, it's a four sessions called Serpentine gateway do you oh know where my. it's like dealing with somatic sensual movement right. all this kind of stuff because that's something that i'm choosing now yeah. something that i believe i well need. And this is what i love is because uh twofold one i wanted to mention that when you are an entertainer at all and it doesn't matter what level we are we don't have to be meryl streep but there is an ownership that certain people in the public will take of you and so when you choose to step back there's almost like this feeling from some people that they're offended and they want to know why they don't see you more, mm -hmm. uh, which I love. But at the same time, you're talking about this class. For me, creativity is a way to, to get in touch with our, our souls, really. Mm -hmm. And it's not because when we finally own our own creativity and understand that it's what's feeding us and we choose when to share it out there, this class is a, you're still finding your creative soul and you're creating you know what i mean I and it doesn't do. matter it doesn't have the same anchor as uh someone in the public saying well i've seen you on stage i own a piece of you and i want to know why you're not back you are owning your own creativity again absolutely and it it feels delightful That's to be amazing. able to do other things. It was the same way with my felting. When I started on my yes. felting, it was a completely Ugh. different world. Love. And it gave me the outlet I needed. And it was super calming because I'm yeah. stabbing at wool for hours, <laughs> making beautiful things. And then I yes. don't stab people, you know, yes. I mean, it, not that there I are actually, hats and there, the mushrooms are my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super fun. So I'm always looking for different avenues of creativity. I love, did you ever see my pandemic saints that I did during? I don't think I did. Oh my God. I'll have to send you a picture of those. Yeah. I, I have like I don't know, 11 or 12 of them that, you know, you're at home, yeah. you're in quarantine, you're in this exactly. lockdown and there's no room for creativity for, uh, it was so many people discovered, like rediscovered some of the right. stuff that they hadn't done in yes. ages. And yeah. it was all artistic because you had to do something. Exactly. And I created 
my pandemic saints. There was a saint who had toilet paper, and there's a saint who had hand sanitizer, <laughs> and one who had all the snacks. Listen, you know? they were the saints. But yeah, <laughs> I you mean, know what I mean. Seriously, but you we're always finding ways to create because yeah. as creatives, we have to have an outlet. Yes, and there is no. I, I totally feel you because there is no way not to. First of all, my brother always tells me. Uh, be careful if you ever stop a project because I don't like to see what happens to you when you don't. And it's true. I took three years off once and it was the worst three years of my life. There's always a way, but I think creatives need to begin to understand that they can own their creativity. What have you ever uh, heard of the artist way years and years and years? Julia Cameron. Mm -mm. She wrote a book at must be 25 years ago now. Um, And it was about people rediscovering because a lot of people are afraid of it. She has updated the book, and so I'm I'm reading it again. But what's so funny to me is it's for people who are old. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I'm there. <laughs> but she's like, because that's why I'm, I'm rediscovering this. How do you give yourself permission yeah. to do it again? But what she brings up something that... So you, I don't think, have gone through this part because you have... I, I love watching you because you have found a way to stay true to your artist all the way through. But there's this concept of shadow artists. Shadow artists are people who allowed the world to kind of beat them down for what they used to do. And so they do, uh, they do things just around. Mm. They surround themselves with... And, and let's be honest, I love doing my show and you guys, I love you. And thank you so much. I, I very much enjoy using my voice on a platform. But I realized... Just doing the show is a way for me to be near the creative energy (laughs) and yet not participate in the creativity. And yet uh, what I get from you and when I watch you and I see that you are still out there finding different avenues is when you own your creativity and it is yours, there are ways to move forward. I mean, I've been creative the whole time, but the things that I maybe miss, you know, we just step outside. It happens to a lot of us as we get older, but you find a way. I mean, you're in a class that is obviously touching some strings and you're bravely facing it, even if it makes you cry. You know what I mean? That's a beautiful journey. I think that every creative ends up in that hole right absolutely and I have been there but I always I do this thing where I'll cocoon for like six hours and be like what the hell is your problem let's just figure it out (laughs) right what can't you do right now you know I'm clear about what my weaknesses are yeah I am not blind to what stops me I am very clear about what stops me so if I am stopped in my tracks I will take time to look at what it was that put me there. Yeah. So then I can keep moving forward. Yeah. A lot of my artistry, whether it's my photography, which I don't, I mean, I take pictures on my stupid phone and then I- Phones can do anything. I mean, I manipulate them and I, you know, edit and all that kind of stuff. But whether it's that or felting or- singing or you know whatever it is the way I dress I curate every one of my outfits because I remember as a child being made fun of for wearing the same thing over and over because we didn't have the money for it so now I'm very particular I am a walking piece of maximalist art yeah because that is how I see it 
Yeah. But when I get to those moments where I'm stopped, man, I have to take that time because otherwise I'll keep pushing and then I'll burn myself out, which I have done time and time yeah. again, which every creative has done. Every. Yeah. Sometimes you have to lay down and cry. Sometimes yeah. you have to be like, what the fuck exactly. did I just do to myself? Exactly. So this season yeah. of mine that I'm stepping back from the things I need to step back from. Yeah. It doesn't make me sad. Yeah. It actually is giving me the momentum and the space to look at what else there is. Exactly. All my children are grown. Yeah. My baby just turned 20. Right. Like, they don't necessarily need me to mom them. Right. I have to find things to do. Otherwise, yeah. I will only want to raise hell. Yeah. And party and right? drink and do all those things. Right. But instead, I'm looking what is interesting yeah. To me. Well, we have to stop. I feel like culture has tried uh, to make life a series of endings. It doesn't have to be <laughs> a series of endings at all. No. You have to flip the way our perspective is and go. It's why I try to be very transparent about things. And I try to bring people on who uh, I'm inspired by because everybody needs to feel those moments of going, that, no, this isn't an ending. That's why I call this phase of life my phase two. It is, it's like a new movie. Yeah. It can be whatever you want it to be, and it should be right. whatever and you want it to be. And we've had chapter after chapter yeah. after chapter. And the older I get, the more calm I become. Right. Which allows me to do more of the things that I choose to do. Yeah. And I am delighted. Yeah. It is a magnificent place to be. Right. And I'm not, I mean, I'm, it's not my job to interest somebody else in what I do. It's yeah. not my job to inspire them. It's not my job to do these things. Right. But I open it up enough because I know that there are other people who feel like I do. Yeah. I've had a number of, I think, like Instagram posts or whatever where it's just like, sometimes this is how I feel. This yeah. today is hard. And, you know, and, yeah. and I'll say, I love you. Yeah. I know that you're dealing with the same thing, right. but I cannot fix it for them. Exactly. Yeah. They have to figure out what it is. You, uh, I think our jobs as humans, not just creatives, is to to follow that, to be true to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if people are connected to that or they draw inspiration from that, then that's on them and that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And how, I think how lucky anytime someone says something, you know, very kind. And I'm like, I... I feel like I'm separated from that. I am grateful that you're finding that. But, you know, I'm so already in my own mess over here. But I love <laughs> that it has somehow spoken to you. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, the other thing I want to talk about is it changes as we get older. But as artists, you were talking about burnout. Mm -hmm. um, there, is a, there is a well that we go back to when we need refilled. It's called my bed. <laughs> See? <laughs> like, and I found it. So you need rest. Absolutely. You need to rejuvenate. You need to reclaim. Yeah. See, reclamation is a huge thing because our bodies can only go so far. Yeah. And when we overpromise and we overgive and people take and take and take and take, because yeah. that is what this world is about. People take and take and take yeah. and take. And that's what we're taught. Yes. Yeah. And so... You give and give yeah. and give and give and give and never expect anything in return. Yeah. yeah. I give and then I step back. I give and then I step back. Right. Because I am not interested in being somebody's buoy. Yeah, exactly. I am interested in making sure that my friends are well. Yeah. That they are taken care of. 
I will do anything for them. Yeah. I will do anything for my children. But when it comes to the greater good, I will put forth what I can. Right. And then... I'm going to come back and take care of myself so that I can keep putting forth what I can you know, have for the greater the, good. Did the airlines teach us nothing for the past 50 years, which is you must take care of yourself in order mm-hmm. to take care of others. That's correct. But put I your think, mask on first. Right? But you have a beautiful energy. I, when I, I, I see you from the social media world or we talk to each other, you have this way of embodying and the this energy around you like you're on this this energetic road whether it's creative or whatever you're doing but you have found a way to connect to it and be in it and just kind of try to there is a piece to you a calmness that you mentioned and I think that's that's the that's the secret if you can find that way to just embrace that. I think we, it's like when you're learning to swim and you have to let go of the sides mm-hmm. and that panic, mm-hmm. we have to learn to float. Absolutely. Just relax and be in it. doesn't mean life's easy. doesn't mean it's perfect. No, I'm very clear of who I am. Yeah. And I'm very clear of who I am for others. Yeah. And each group of people, I'm very clear of who I am for each group of people. Right. For my children, I am an unending well. Yeah. Whatever they yeah. need. For my very closest friend, friends, I yeah. am an unending well, whatever yeah. they need. Do you know, it? it's very simple for me. Yeah. And I think that this last year, it's been really good for me to step back from certain projects that I've done for years. I decided yeah. not to do the show with Ellen Travolta this year. I know. Who I would do anything for Ellen Travolta. Yeah. I, I love her so much. I love her daughter. I love her sister. I love their family. Yeah. Seeing their family work together is magnificent it is it's such a fantastic thing to be a part of and the last five years have it's been the highlight of my my time you know as far as my years go but this year um last year was super difficult the because winter started so damn early oh my god so the drive back and forth to Coeur d'Alene was oh that would be awful could you imagine this year I think it's gonna be god I mean and it is four nights a week for four weeks plus a week of rehearsal before Thanksgiving so uh for me, and I got super sick last year. Yeah. So for me, it was really clear that I needed to step back from it. I got done last year and I thought, I don't think I can do this again. Yeah. And so when she asked me, I said, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has been the highlight of my year and I right. love you so much. I just, I can't do it again. And she was super generous, super wonderful and, yeah. and thankful for me having been there for the last five right. years. And, um, and you know, everything... It, it turned out just fine. Yeah. They have a great show this year. Yeah. I will be going probably, I'm hoping closing weekend nice. so I can still see it. But for well, me, I wanted yeah. a whole season to myself. I wanted exactly. a season to be at my salon for the whole season. And you deserve those things. I yeah. also think, um, and I don't know her by any means like you do, but I also think when you've been in this industry and you've been able to survive it and still stay I don't know. Relevant. Yeah. And sensitive (laughs) and compassionate. I feel like she gets, you know what I mean? I do. I'm sure she just gets it. It's, and it's fascinating sitting with her because somebody who has been in the entertainment business for decades and not just her, but the entire family is in the entertainment business. Yeah. And to hear stories about her meeting Judy Garland and being in the gypsy touring show with Ethel Merman. Do you know like that's insane. Fascinating things. And for me, the the simple joy of 
buying her super fresh, crunchy French fries, which she really loves. Do you mm. know, because I was able to sit and get to know her yep. the way that I yeah. enjoy getting to know people. I want to know what makes people tick. I want to know right. what's the most important thing to her, you know, yeah. and the fact that Ellen Travolta loves crispy, fresh French fries makes my day. Right. You know, so, but, and at the same time, it's super important to take the time and know. I thought I was going to be super regretful when all of the right. information came out about the shows and stuff. Right. And I wasn't. I was really glad right. that I chose that for myself because I have to remind myself, you chose it. Yeah. And when you choose it, yeah. you have to be clear about your choices. Exactly. And I think intention plays such a, uh, whether you, my brother would call it woo or, or whatever, but putting that energy out into the world, mm-hmm. it's a different thing. The other thing is that I love about her is that she... I still feel like she gets joy from that show. And so for that's her journey Mm -hmm. and she needs that. But she seems so wise enough to know that doesn't have to be your journey. That's correct. Like yours is going to be different, but you keep saying choice, which is something that I think is important for us to realize when things are a choice, if that world ever wants back, everything is a choice. People, we create the world around us. You know, so don't think that you've stolen something from yourself. Right. If you make choices, Mm -hmm. it's okay. Well, and a choice is made clear and free of anything outside of yourself. Yeah. Clear and free of anybody else's intentions. Right. Anybody else's jobs or their wants of you. It's made clear and free from any of those things or things that you think you have to do because you've been taught to be a certain way. I mean, I care for people that's what I do I mean look yeah. at all the jobs that I've had in my life like my actual jobs that make me money yeah right <laughs> right know, like, I hear that um, I mean even as as a hairdresser it's one of yeah. those things where there is the people in my chair they feel seen they feel yeah. heard yeah. there's physical touch there's yeah. you know everything about it is very intimate to a point yeah. and as far as that intimacy goes the choice is I have to keep myself removed from that enough so that I'm not taking on anything else. Yes. You know, so the choice to give myself an entire holiday season and I don't exactly like, I don't celebrate Christmas necessarily. I definitely celebrate Yule and all of the pagan woo woo that goes with it. It's super fun. Oh my God. Um, And it's amazing. And it's a (laughs) talk about reclamation. It's reclaiming (laughs) outside of culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's been, it's been a, good choice for me yeah and I enjoy my time at home I enjoy my time with my dogs with my my youngest still lives with me and he's hilarious and he's (laughs) studying and he's got so much going on and he he practices his French horn and it's beautiful and these are the things that I would be missing out on right and I'm not willing to miss out on those yeah so and that is the understanding priorities understanding these things and I have to say so one of the things as I creepily watch you in socials because we all watch each other. <laughs> we all watch each other in social media is to take pieces of the ownership of ourselves back and yes. understand that we have to be uh, nurtured and whole in order to do the things that we long to do and not letting others energy mm-hmm. take from us. I think that's amazing. And I know uh, none of us are perfect. Life isn't great every day. You know, right. life is life. But I have to say, as an artist, um, these are the lessons we can we can glean from you that you're learning, which is I need to take care of my soul. Absolutely. The rest. It's okay. Guess what? Being creative is always going to be there. 
It it's will always be there. Because it's part of your life force. Right. There was yeah. a point where I remember trying so hard to make people like me. Yeah. Look, I'm a singer. Look, I'm a performer. Right. Look, I'm all these things. Please like me. Please give yeah. me the role I want. Please give me all these things. Yeah. And who I am now, I don't care. Right. Right. I don't care if you like me. Yeah. You can have whatever you're going to have. I don't care if you like me. If I put something up. Right. It's one of, you know, I, I always look at it myself and I'd be like, mm, am I trying too hard? Is this, you know, is this right. too much? Because I'm not expecting to be like an influencer or anything like that. Right. Like that's not right. a job I want. Right. But I or know. Or I even understand how to get. I know when I want to share stuff. Yeah. I, I had a friend one time tell me that I took too many selfies and I said, I am so sorry that you don't love yourself as much as I love <laughs> me. Thank you. Because for me. <laughs> Amen. When I take a picture, it's from my gaze. It's from the female exactly. gaze. It's not for anybody else. Right. The pictures that I just got done that with my friend Kelsey. That are absolutely stunning. She heard me. Yeah. She saw me. Yeah. And she gave me exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And it well, was still from the gaze of yeah. me. What's also this. What I loved about. So you did this photo shoot. Um, how would you describe it? I um, would. <laughs> I. Uh, I had done a, a witchy photo shoot with my friend Chris Woolley last year and it was super cute and it was super, yeah. I mean, there was some dark witchy stuff right. and it was very pinup too. Right. And then I was, I was like, you know what? I just, I want dark. I want yeah. the cha- I identify as a chaos witch. <laughs> like I, <laughs> you give me something to burn that. and I will burn the right. fuck out of it and we will give you what you want. Do you right. know, like that kind of stuff. And I wanted that to come through, but also it's, it's that imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like, am I really who I think I am? Right. And she saw and heard everything. And I had asked her to do this because I love her eye. I love how she sees things. I love yeah. her compassion and the beauty and the love that she has for yeah. everything around her. And man, it was the most, we were in the middle of the woods in Idaho and there yeah. was nobody around and it was beautiful. Just a picture. And so I would encourage everybody to look at this photo shoot as it comes out, but every picture feels like a conversation. It's yes. like, it's a movie in one still frame. Oh man. And it's amazing. And to me, it just speaks to, it just, it spoke to my soul. It spoke and it looks amazing. I, I cried like, so much just looking at the pictures because they were exactly who I want to come across. Oh, it's as. amazing. Tell me you're going to take some of those for yourself and frame them and have them. Oh, yes. Because there's, there's one, so well. uh, I was looking at all the proofs and there's one that it, to me, it's the most powerful piece. And really it's just me from the back. Yeah. And it is the most powerful, most beautiful picture. And it's a reminder for me that it's okay to be powerful. It's okay yes. to be me. It's, yes. you know, I love who I am. Yeah. I love who I've become. And it's taken work to get here, but I am so yeah. thankful for every little bit right? of it. And in one photo, I can look at it and be like, yeah, exactly. fuck yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. And you were just saying earlier, especially those of us that have imposter syndrome, I always give the advice, name yourself, mm-hmm. name it, name it, own it, give it power. It doesn't matter. If you want to be a writer, say you're a writer and then go do the things you that make you feel like a writer. S- name because the power is ours. Yeah. And we need to take it back because yeah. the culture be loves it, to, yeah. And you already are. Steal. Now, before we wrap up this amazing conversation, these are the conversations that uh, that just give me life. And I love that. So there's people out there listening. We get the whole gamut of ages from young all the way up to way past uh, my age, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is a impossible yeah kurt's kurt's way past my age do you have some even though it's your journey and and you know it's been your own experience do you have any words of advice 
Oh my gosh. I know, right? I have so many words of advice. <laughs> um, I think the most important piece is be responsible for your actions. Be responsible for what you've done. Yeah. Be responsible for your presence. Yeah. Be responsible for what is to come. If that means that you need to do shadow work, which is basically looking at those pieces of you that are hidden, yeah. do it. If it means you need to go see somebody about your childhood trauma, it may be terrible and frightening and scary, but do it yeah. because those are the things that keep us bound to a person who you don't recognize. Exactly. And once you can handle all of that stuff, yeah. And really, it's an ongoing, I'm doing a shadow work journal right now. There's, yeah. there's always work to be done, yeah. but be willing to be responsible for your actions. If you hurt somebody's feelings, freaking yeah. apologize. Yeah. Own it. We don't do that anymore. No. Yeah. You, it is so easy to be responsible for your own actions. There are so yeah. many people who refuse yeah. to be responsible for their own actions. Yeah. Narcissists especially, yeah. because they don't know how to get past yep the hurt or whatever it was that happened to them. Exactly. And, and there's a lot of fear there. Absolutely. That and they don't want to name as fear. That's correct. Yeah. And that's something that was super important that I wanted my kids to understand is that they had all kinds of ability to choose who they wanted to be. Yeah. They could have all kinds of conversations with me. I was afraid of nothing with my kids, whatever right. they wanted to talk to. Absolutely. Because I think it's hard as parents to be responsible for your children. You brought them here. Yeah. You raise them. Yeah. You don't blame them for not understanding something. Exactly. You raise them and you teach them how to be responsible for exactly. their actions. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, really, it's just be responsible. Yeah. Be super responsible for everything. Apologize when you need to apologize. Yeah. Don't be a dick. It, thank you. <laughs> I tell people all the time that my religion is don't be a dick. Yeah. That's I mean, truly, I gave my kids the absolute authority to call me on my shit if I was right. being passive aggressive, if I right. was not communicating well. And oh my God, they did it so many times. And I'd be like, <laughs> you know, and it would take me a minute, but then right. I'd stop, right. apologize, right. and say, okay. And every time we're al allowed to see ourselves for a moment, we learn. Mm -hmm. We unbury ourselves from right. all of this. I have a sign on my office door and it says, Take before you come into this room, please take responsibility responsibility for the energy you bring into it. Absolutely. Because and that's that's what we need to do. I have to tell you, you I adore you, always have, and we know this. Um conversations and I adore you. thank you. <laughs> conversations like this, these are the authentic conversations I want to have. Yeah. And especially people in the creative world, I think we all have creativity in us, but people who try to live their self, our lives on that creativity vibe, um, I love it. And so uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to us here. If you have questions for Abby or you just want to tell her how absolutely amazing she is, <laughs> please do that. Remember, the show comes out every Tuesday on thequeercentric.com and you spoke, we listened, there's merch now. So... Go do that. It's something tangible. You can have you can have a queerdo shirt. You can have our logo on shirt. But in the end, we want to give you something tangible because it's helping us continue the work that we're doing publicly. And we have a lot of projects coming. So we just want to put some good vibes in the world. Go and get something or don't go and get something. To me, I just want everyone to get something from 
the work that we all do. You know what I mean? So that's what's mo- uh, most important to me. So thank you, Abby, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I love this. And until next time, everybody. Bye. Bye.